you know, they didn't have a weightlifting portion at all, which Pan no. Ams is obviously why for the USA would or USAW wouldn't sponsor it, but I yep. mean I imagine you could probably get a good purse for weightlifters too. Yeah, no, I think you could. Morning everybody. We're getting going here. Talking about the uh we're gonna talk about the Rogue Invitational first and the results from that. This is Phil Stevens. I'm a power lifter, Highland Games athlete in the run strength field. Got my last squats before my meet this morning. So right after the show. And then just rest up and head to uh Ohio. But Jarrell's with us today. Yeah. Coach Jay. Yeah. Coach Jay, strength field in Olathe, kind of Kansas City area. Uh uh, weightlifting coach, uh, I've been a CrossFit coach, CrossFit gym owner, powerlifting coach, strongman, um, even some track and field in there. I remember, uh, we did the strength field games that one year and you brought a sprinter from KU with you. Yeah. You guys had the team <laughs> and we won. Your sprinter cramped up. That was amazing. <laughs> That was the one event, like, we were like, okay, guys, we don't win this one, so we got to do well on the rest of them. Mm-hmm. And somehow we fucking won the 4 by one her. It was amazing. Yeah. That was a fun time. But anyway, um, Rogue Invitational happened. We talked about it on the last show, so figured we'd hit up some results. CrossFit threw down all kinds of money. I think the uh, men took 265000 home, women right around there. That maybe ten thousand less, or still over two hundred thousand dollars. But uh, Justin Medeiros took first. I guess he won it last year too. Uh, I don't know about if he won the invitation. I can't remember that. I know he won the CrossFit Games this year. Okay, he won. Yep, all right, top finisher. <sighs> and then T- Tia Claire Toomey, I know, took first for the women's, and Annie Thor's daughter was in second at the final day. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I know Annie, and I've heard of Tierra, uh, Tia, but uh, I'm so out of CrossFit stuff that I have no idea who these people are. So yep. all the people I knew are, like, retired. So. Yep. <laughs> well, uh, the, the women have actually, and I, I think this kind of speaks to, I think women can stay in sport longer, yeah. like, at high-level sport. I mean, we saw, was it, the swimmer? In the Olympics a few years ago, who was like 40. Yeah. But guys, like, I mean, it's a higher peak, but it's a quicker fall. Yeah. Yeah, a lot steeper on each side of that. I think the Mirdos dude is like early 20s, like 21, 22 maybe. Gotcha. And so I think, I mean, Frazier, I can't imagine him being much older, like, you gotta be like 31 or like if he, if he's 30. Yeah. You know, before yeah. you're tired, same with Rich. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Frazier won it like five times, I think. Something like that. Yeah. And then she is gonna just, she might become like a CrossFit millionaire just off person. <laughs> not, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Just, just took home wrong. a quarter million this time. So there's a nice yeah. chunk. How much do they get for winning CrossFit games? Uh, I'm not sure what the purse was this year because of all the stuff. I like, so 
I'm as confused as everybody else because like Reebok was out of it, then they were back in. Like, there's so Reebok still has some, their name on some stuff, but this was like the Noble CrossFit Games. Gotcha. And so I don't know how much money they put up, but it's got to be up there. I mean, so just this year, if you won those two, you know. Yeah, I know. It was, I know it was in the six figure range for sure. I just. <laughs> I know they did it weird. The season got all broken up and messed up because of COVID stuff and having stuff pushed back. And then this this year was kind of normal, but kind of not. So. Sorry, taking my Advil. Got to have some Advil in me before I squat later. Uh, it's like taking my vitamins. And then uh, Martin Halissus came back and won the uh, took the podium for first. So yeah, they were in the hundred k range, right? Hundred thirty five, hundred thirty, something like that. Yeah, some is still good money for a weekend's worth of work. So, um, people were saying, I don't know, I didn't watch it, but like I guess the stones were odd shaped and stuff, and people were actually liking it. They're like, it's good to see some events that are a little different than the norm in a sport that. You used to see weird shit all the time in Strongman. Uh, yeah. And they've kind of changed that. It's become kind of vanilla, the same events over and over and over again. But uh, And that, that was part of the fun for me as a Strongman, throwing Strongman events. is like I can literally make them do whatever the hell I can think of. So why not make it fun? And it's fun for the spectators, you know, seeing people throw refrigerators and shit. But you don't see much of that anymore. So. Then we got the Pan Ams going on, I think Jay said. Yeah. Way the thing Pan Ams this weekend, or, well, throughout this week. I know the team is mostly down there. I think there's only been two, maybe three lifters who have gone so far. So I think there's two top ten finishes with lifters I have not really, I haven't really seen. Um, I don't think. But I know, like, some of the crowd favorites like Kate Nye, she's she'll be there. Uh I think she's tomorrow. She's there tomorrow or Monday maybe. I don't know. Trying to look it up here. Schedule. November third. Sixth. She is today at one PM. Kate Nye in the seventy six K A category. Her Maddie Rogers today. Oh, both in 76KA. He so. should be medals for the U.S. You would think. I would think. I mean, they're both pretty but I'm not sure. So this starts the new quad, basically, for Pan Ams. This is like the first of the new quad for mm-hmm. at least the U.S. team. But I don't I just saw something yesterday where they're switching up a few things with the points, like the point system. Gotcha. Because of the weight class restrictions at the Olympics. So there's more weight classes in the IW, just regular IWF weightlifting, Mm -hmm. and then it's shrunk down for the Olympics. And there are a lot of complaints with, like, like people rolling over their points from other weight classes or whatever. Um, So I think they're cleaning that up this year. So I'm not even sure how the – how the whole international point accumulation even works anymore. 
I'll have gotcha. to look at that today. I don't know if it affects Team USA at all because, I mean, we're just – the women are good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so basically people were walking around in a, like lifting a bunch in a category higher probably. Yeah. Yeah, they were listing a different category or a weaker category. Yeah. You know, and then they would, you know, accumulate points and then when it came time to go, you know, get your yeah, Olympic okay. totals, they would just, you know, transfer all those points into that new weight class and people did not like that. So yeah. now I think you can still lift in different classes and accumulate your, cause you have to get so many international meets before you can, you're even, qualified for the Olympics, so. That leaves out the dream of just having some phenom come in and just wipe it out. Just have somebody show up at, you know, I don't know, Pan Ams or a bigger competition. Yeah, I mean, obviously they're just dark. I'm not not sure if they're even trying to stop the drug stuff or what, like, it, it just seems kind of messy, but. Yeah. And, yeah, and then for me, I don't know, not much going on. I get to watch a football game next weekend because I was watching I watched the London Red Raiders that win their coaches in a playoff game last night. So they uh, they pulled one out for me because if they lost last night, I wouldn't get to watch them play next weekend. So uh, they also they did it for me. But, no, they came back, turned around their season, started up 0-2. Z- and then came back and went nine and zero in the last nine games, made it to the playoffs and knocked off a knocked off a high seeded team last night. They didn't think they'd beat, so they get to continue on going to state. So, oh, that's why the, the next one is state. No, the next one is. I think they are. I think it's one away. I think it was down to four teams last night. So yeah. now it's down to, well, man, maybe next one is state. Cause I think it's like the number one seed. They were the number four seed. They beat the number five seed. And then the number one seed was playing the number eight seed. That was the other two games. So London gets to play whoever won that. So, uh, it might be actual state, but no one too, but we'll see. So I just got to get there in time next Friday. I'll catch some of the game at least. I was amazed it's 2021. You can freaking live webcast a random small town high school football game. So commentators were lacking, but, uh, it was probably George from the local gas station and some other guy. So, but yeah, it's neat. You can kind of get a hold of anything nowadays. But, yep. I got to go in and do my opener squats today. Some lightish deadlifts and then just shut it down. Get ready for meat. I did my one bench like two months ago, so I'm good there. Uh, oh, what is you still finding your same opener from before the seven twenty five? Seven twenty. Right? Yep, seven twenty five opener. I hit seven sixty five last weekend, so I did two at seven twenty five and one at seven sixty five. That'll be my second, and. uh Bench, I'm going to do what I've done at the last eight meets, and that's open at 315 and see what happens. See if anything hurts. Go from there. <laughs> if nothing hurts, I'll keep going up. If, like, last meet, I just did the opener, and that's it. It's like, nope, that hurt. I'm done. 
And then, I don't know, deadlift will be somewhere in the 700s. So. You're squatting with a, a suit now? It's a new suit even, right? Yeah. Yeah. So going from squatting no suit, maybe you guys have covered this on the show previously, but what are the biggest differences you've noticed squatting with the suit or with the new suit even and without or any changes to your training that you've made in the last, um, in the last, what, five years? Oh, less than that. So this is be, I've, I've messed around with a suit for a total of 18 months, year and a half. So year and a half. So yeah. what are the biggest differences in training that you've, in using the suit, like in how you train now versus uh, training without it? Uh, reps are horrible in a suit. Like anything <laughs> I was doing, I started out and I was doing fives and stuff like normal. And I just had to call that. Uh, so I, I started going nothing over three in, in the suit. Is uh, it the tension? Like the, like the, you, like you just can't breathe at all. Yeah. You can't get a breath. So like, like after rep three, you're just, <gasps> and yeah, you can't get a breath at all. So, um, that's probably the biggest change. So I spent a lot of time with in, uh, most of my off season then was spent just in a pair of briefs. Which I used those when I was squatting raw anyways. And we got all the volume in, in those. And then, uh, well, at 12 weeks out, I put the suit on and just getting used to it. The number one thing in the new suit was, uh, learning depth. Uh, cause I knew my depth really well raw. I knew how things felt, um, when I hit parallel, but getting squeezed that much, I had no clue. Like you just, the proprioception was, totally gone uh i didn't i had to get a new a new feeling for that so spent a lot of time going to a box uh that was just below parallel things like that you, uh, pressure so when you squat you've always kind of been somebody who sits back into your hips a little bit more yeah you know, strong. anyway so it's not like that was going to be a big change but you think that's why all the West Side guys, you know, they do singles and doubles and max effort stuff, but then when the suit, like, either without a suit or their secondary stuff is always, like, crazy high rep. High rep, yeah, getting the volume in. Like, volume, bodybuilding stuff, but not related, like, it's not exactly the, you know what I mean? Like, it's not exactly yeah. the squat or yep. like that. I think and that's a, an adjustment to gear. Probably, yeah. I mean, you just can't. The other thing that would happen if you're doing like sets of 10, let's say I could do it in the suit, I would be bleeding all over the place because I'd be rubbed raw from the suit doing that many reps. I mean, I get bruised up and beat up anyways, and it's, it's not as bad now. It's like my body's gotten used to it. It's like I've got calluses. All, all, my, my body's a callus now. <laughs> <laughs> but it was real bad at first. And uh so, yeah, I think that probably is. And, you know, the other thing is just learning – Form, like you gotta hit it just right. And I'm only in a single ply, so I can't imagine the, the multi-ply gear stuff. But you can tell that you just need to sit into your gear right the minute you're out of position. It's, it's bad. So, um, and I can see how like some of those catastrophic knee blows and stuff go, especially in the multi-ply guys. Cause you're messing with so much tension and you're pushing out on it. And if it pushes you just in a little bit in the knee caves, I mean, that's, yeah. It's a lot of weight, man. So, um, 
that's all I have to do. Like, I, I, the way things feel, the way things felt this whole prep uh, with the plan of going for 800, I know it's there. I just have to hit it right. If I can groove it right, I'll stand up with it. Because uh, my hips feel amazing. That's the biggest change is my hips also level out. If you watch my raw squatting videos versus my uh, suit, my left hip always rode really high when I was raw. Um, in the suit, it's evened out. And it's brought my, that hip down, and I'm using that left side a lot more than I was. So, but I was dealing with the heavier poundages for squat. I know we talked about this last week. Going that you guys intentionally go squat and deadlift on the same day, but yeah, using basically more tension with the suit mess with your deadlifts at all. I, I think I'm more wore out by the time I get to it, but we only have the problem we have is basically we're going on a trust that the deadlift will just be there because we never get to it fresh. So whereas in a meet, like we'll get done squatting. Like last week I did 725, well, 675, 725, and 765, and then like 15 minutes later, yeah, that's all in the squat. And then like 15 minutes later, I'm deadlifting. So we get like no break. I mean, I'll cram 10 Skittles in my mouth and chew them up and take a drink of water. But then we're going to deadlift. Whereas in a meet, you know, we got the whole two hour break before bench, then you bench another two hour break before you deadlift. So as long as you're one of those people that can relax, get yourself rested and fed and things like that, and you're not all amped up during the whole meet, by the time deadlift gets there, I'm so used to doing it right after I squat that I'm fresh. You know, I'm, it's the first day I've in a long time that I get to come in and pull something heavy fresh. So like I never touched over 675 at during this prep and I won't go over that today and I'll open a little higher than that. So uh, you, uh, so on your first in your squat depth, essentially mm-hmm. your piece, I can because you only post, I only see the front side angle or whatever. Uh huh. Your, your knees come forward at all, or do you see all? Yeah, no, they no, they suit? come forward. It's very much. I bought a suit that is not an ultra wide suit, and I'm still in my heeled shoes. So yeah, yeah my, I, was say, I still don't see where though. That's what I was curious about. Yeah, so my knees do. They're not as much as normal. I mean, it really is like. Once you get into single ply, you can really tell where, like, Ed Cohn's cue comes from of, you know, spread your taint. That's really all you're trying to do. You're just jamming your legs out as far as you can and getting that suit grab bite on your hips a bit. Um, And that's where, like, I think, like I talked about earlier, something catastrophic could happen. You're pushing out so far on that suit and sitting back into it a bit. And uh, if one of those knees decides to track in hard, uh, it's curtains. But uh, all of a sudden you got 800 plus pounds pushing on you and I see where things go wrong, but in a hurry. Um, but yeah, my knees still travel and my, my squat form is not a lot different than it was, uh, out of, out of the suit. I'm probably just a couple inches wider in my stance. So, and I can do that without pain in my hip. That's the neat thing is like I get, I have no orthopedic pain anymore at all. Even after. So 
The only thing that gets more wore out of me now is my whole back is just torched after a Saturday. Like I'm, it is sore, like really sore until Thursday night from a Saturday training session. So. You added, added or subtracted any assistance work in the last year and a half? No, I've done less. I've done less. Uh, the big thing I found out was, uh, so I do all my heavy shit on Saturday, and then for a lot of the meat prep, I was doing a Wednesday day that was like all my assistance work for that. So it's definitely a deadlifts and step ups and you know all that shit and uh, kettlebell swings and you know whatever. Uh, and then about four weeks ago, once I started getting heavy and I'm hitting like 700 plus every Saturday. Come Wednesday, my day I'm supposed to do that, my back was still just torched. Um, so I just knocked it off. It was like, I'm not going to beat up a dead horse. You know, we did a ton of volume, a ton of volume in, uh, in off season stuff. So I don't mind losing it a bit now and just making sure I'm recovered for each weekend. So yeah, I was doing four days a week and now I'm doing two. So in this final part of the prep, I'm doing two days a week. So. It's like sled dragging or anything like that. It's like blood flow work throughout the week. No, I just all, just all in on one day. All in, man. So, yeah. yep, no, except for just stuff I have to do around here, carrying wood and crap like that, you know. But nothing geared towards actually being having me in some kind of shape besides round. That'll come after. So at this point, that's uh, the day after that meet. I'll start moving around more and stuff. So. Well, I feel like personally I have like this little like maybe it's now I'm thinking about it talking to you about the bench. I feel like I've in all the lifting people that I've like essentially put myself in the space of the bench is always like throw essentially thrown away, right? Like you're most of you're, the you're recovering the bench, right? Like recovering on bench. Mm-hmm. But what if you had to put up uh Essentially, a big bench, you had to go seven, well, we'll say 765 plus, right? Let's okay. say second or third lift, you know, high tension lift or whatever, going right into a bench press where you had to also kind of amp yourself up. Cause you don't, you basically eat through bench and then hype, <laughs> yeah. rehype for depth. And this yep. is like every coach that I've experienced yep. is kind of like that. And I've, now I'm like, oh man, maybe I have a bias towards this. But would that change your prep at all if you had to really put up a you really wanted to put up a bench number, you know, incomparable with your squat? Oh. And your, with the... Yeah, I mean it's changed. I used to have to train it a lot more. Um, like before, I jacked up my shoulder, um, and I actually like the reason I don't even worry about bench is just it hurts so much. I've come back and trained it and been back to over 400 pounds a couple times, but the amount of pain and like lack of sleep I had to go through to do that, it just, it's not worth it anymore. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would have to just a lot more to my recovery and training devotion would go towards it. Um, that I just don't mess with anymore because now it's like, basically I test my bench four times a year to make sure I can still do 315. And, uh, okay, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when I, That's used all to I train, care about. So when I had a big 
big bencher who like needed their squat deadlift and bench to kind of be comparable. The big thing was getting around the lat cramps going into the bench. Yeah. And, and the hamstring. Oof. Yeah, lat and hamstring, right? Like where you just really cramp. Like if you really have a put up a pretty good squat day. Yeah. When you go into bench. And honestly have never, I mean, I've never needed to because that was the only like big bencher I had. And so I've coached every other powerlifter I've worked with. We basically, it's squat and deadlift are basically yep. the two yeah. primaries. And so we do the same. We eat through the bench press mm-hmm. and then rehype for deadlift. So we strategize it that way. Yep. But yeah, so I was, I was curious about that. I haven't even seen or met another coach who kind of does it that much different. No, like, it doesn't that way. I mean, I know some bench only or like push pull guys kind of, obviously they have different, you know, idea of things, but. I, I've never gotten around not, uh, I've never psyched anyone. Like really the one person I used to kind of push on bench, but that's because their bench was, I mean, at one point I think they had like a top 10 bench, right? In, gotcha. In their weight class. And if that's the case, and even then it wasn't like a significant portion of their total to like that was the difference between winning and losing it just yeah. set them up like it sets you up better for deadlift yeah for sure so you don't have to put up your best ever or something like that or expect too much but i've never gotten around the the latin hamstring cramps for like really getting set on the bench after a heavy huge squat, squat. yeah yeah i usually yeah. i mean i even coach people out of the arch not like the super arch but like yeah like we minimize some of the tension in the bench because it's not going to be there, and we don't practice with it all the time either. Yeah. So. Yeah. But. No, I mean that's definitely a a thing. I mean, for the people that are big benchers, there's usually two types of people. There's people that just love the bench, and then the other, the rest of us that, yeah, whatever. It's like I think they need it. They've got push pull. They've got bench only. Why can't we have a squat deadlift? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I would just totally skip bench. And do a squat deadlift meet. Um, but, uh, what I that, what's work. What would you, you gotta have a, like, a sexy little name for it. Yeah, I don't know. So. Yeah. Like a poop and pull? Poop and pull, yeah. <laughs> Squat, squatty potty. Um, I totally do that, man. And I think there's a lot of people that would. But I think, rightly so, your push pull is a lot. You get a lot of push pullers that are older, masters class people that just can't squat anymore. Um, they got fried knees and whatnot, but then you got a lot of bench only people that just—I don't know—they're just afraid to lift weights, and uh, <laughs> and then you know people that do full meat. And I've always just done full meats. I've never done anything but a full meat, so it's just the way the way it goes. I never understood to like show up, so to show up and do one lift, right? Yeah. There's really not a whole lot of strategy involved to that to me. No, there's not. Like, we strategize in terms of, like, maximizing your strength. There's strategy in the training for it. But, like, the actual showing up and, you know, if there's, like, a weightlifting where you show up and just snatch, there's still strategy on the cards, you know, to win or whatever and steal rest. But powerlifting, it's, like, using the crowd to hype you up for your best lift, you know? Yeah. 
And I, well, I only have one person I've worked with that have that's just you know bench only. So it's a little bit different. I, I well, it is. Nothing wears you out before. Like like me, if I wanted to do my best deadlift ever, I would probably not try and squat as big. You know, I would leave something there. Because I can tell you, I can tell you 100%. Like, since my squat has gone up uh, in the meets, my deadlift has suffered. And I don't think it's that I'm weaker in the deadlift. I mean, my squats went up 180 pounds. Uh, you can't tell me that magically somehow made my deadlift weaker. It's But, but I'm more wore the fuck out by the time I get there. So my best pull since I've squat, been squatting in the sevens is like 725. My best pull when I was squatting in the sixes was just under eight. So, <clears throat> but like I said, I, I have a lot more. It just, I've, I've expended myself a lot more on the squat now. So, and also my training has been geared towards that. Like I could deadlift heavy for so long and my squat was way behind. So it was fun to get fixed, you know, get that new hip and okay, let's see if we've put up big deadlifts. Let's see if we can put up big squats. So. Yeah, so it's been kind of my concentration. So. Uh, <sighs> your shoulder health? My shoulder health? I mean, shoulder, shoulder's fucked. It needs surgery. Yeah, do, so. do you do anything for it? Any? No, I've tried. Anything? I tried a ton, and, like, none of it seemed to help. The biggest thing I can do is tons of rows that are, like, um... I can't do chin-ups anymore. I can do them, but again, I will pay for it for a week. Uh, just tons of rows and pull-downs and things like that that are lighter weight. Um, and uh, ring push-ups for some reason. Like ring push-ups is the one thing I can do. Like I did them in the gym the other day with 165 pounds strapped around my neck. Uh, and I can do those fine and no pain. I go and bench the bar with 225 and it fucking hurts. Um I think it's. I have similar experience, like with dumbbells and rings. Like I, I'll push my bench, and I'm not strong. My best bench is three fifteen, and I was pretty fat to do that. So, <laughs> and I, uh, but yeah, I, it's something about the wrist, like your your wrist turning in, yeah, like having the freedom to like move my wrist changes how. Like if I'm gonna do stuff to like grow my chest or I'm like working on that. Yep. It's either ring push ups if I feel like I put them down or just like dumbbell push up or dumbbell bench. Yep. Or I can just rotate my hands. Yeah. And no, I, I agree I and it's just so much better on my shoulder. So yeah. once I'm laid down on the bench, my shoulders are locked in on that bar and internally rotated, it just it just causes pain. But um We'll see. I don't know. After this meet, I think I'm going to go all, all Windler on it for a while, except for my Saturdays. So I'll keep my Saturday training where I squat and deadlift. And then I'm going to go. Like He's just doing a ton of calisthenic stuff right now. Push-ups, sit-ups, lunges, freaking whatever. And I think I'll head more that route for a little while, get, get back in shape, drop a few pounds again. So, because I'm only doing one of these a year. So pretty much I do one meet a year now. I don't eat up for it. I mean, I mean, I'm a few pounds heavier, but I don't purposely like. Okay, we're moving up 45 pounds. Yeah, all <laughs> those days are over. Uh, I just can't do that anymore. Like, I think I gained 13 pounds 
just accidentally for this meet, but I'm still well below. I was 260 this morning, and I'm listening in the 275 class. So, I mean, I could go in and weigh in all clothed and be ready to go. So, um, wait, that's that because that's the that's the one one question I have for the week from is like things we do, things I've done mm-hmm. um, for specific injuries I've had or anything that's like helped like recover injuries specifically. Okay. Um, and so for you, I know it's the shoulder, but you've always had like, have you ever had any back injuries? None. I have never heard. That's the one thing on me that's not hurt is my torso. Everything connected to my torso has been surgically repaired. <laughs> so my torso is fine. <laughs> so I, and I always, I mean, I just generally theorize disease because your deadlift was so strong. Like getting, getting to a strong deadlift is like on the road to that. It's where all the back is, your back's going to be yeah. possibly getting fucked. But once you're like, you have a really strong deadlift or a hinge, like, yeah, I feel like back injuries are much more rare. Like I think, I'm trying to think of the top deadlifters and like really where the deadlift is their, their lift. Yeah. That aren't strong, necessarily strongmen, but powerlifters. Yep. And I mean conventional deadlifters, not uh, yeah. sumo, where they actually have a back injury that I, you know what I mean? And yeah, you don't hear about that. Like getting to the, like a heavy conventional deadlift, it's probably hard. Like, but once you're there, it's like your back is like indestructible. That's yeah. Like a, uh, it is. Yeah. yeah. I, I would agree. And I think, I think I lucked into a lot of that for a couple reasons. Um, for some reason, this was before, like, all the interwebs and, like, I just automatically gravitated towards back training. I liked it. Um, so I always did tons of rows and deadlifts and chin-ups and just anything to build a big back. Um, and I was automatically good at deadlifting, so I just did it a lot. Um, and just started off with tons of AMRAPs and things like that. And then I got into Strongman first, which yeah. everything in Strongman is a fucking hinge. So, um, you're carrying things, you're, so I think really those two things combined, uh, just bulletproof my back from an early training age. And, uh, yeah, I started using, uh, strongman stuff as like recovery stuff for, you know, like my powerlifting programming is, is basically like, I mean, obviously practicing the lifts and then, I mean, I do some other assistance work, but like strongman type stuff for Mm -hmm. assistance work. Yeah. And obviously, I I still really love like kettlebell swings and stuff, but yeah. like actual strongman, like, and I just use like sandbags. I like the yoke. The yoke has been so when I had my best squat, like, so my best squat was five twenty five, and I was doing. I had a heavy day and a light day that I would do the yoke, mm-hmm. and that that was like crazy for my my back just in general because then yeah. everything that I ever sat under was felt like like even 525 like unracking it and there's something about like when you unrack it and it doesn't feel like anything yeah it's like it just you were like okay i got it versus yep. Yep. when you unrack it and you're like oh you're like shaking yeah <laughs> like you're about to fall apart so i do like that stuff yeah One thing I would that say, too. yeah the only thing i would say recently is like doing jujitsu stuff kind of started mess with my back again even though i like i had recovered it but it's something about the rotation like i had to take back squats out and i mostly just front squat and do stuff like that now but 
there's something about the rotation of the sport, like rotating at the at the waist, and then also back squatting or you know yeah. straight on hinge that kind of messed with me. But like the 45 degree back extension, using mm-hmm. that for back extension and side extensions have been like the best thing I've done. Added into the program, any of my programming. Yeah. Within the last year. Yeah. Then, same thing though. It's like once you start training the back, it's like, like everyone's achy and stiff and like really nervous about it. But like once you kind of spend, you know, three months, six months, a year doing some back training. And like having a strong like back that you're not scared of, like it, it's like a superpower. I feel like people yeah. just kind of open up, like their strength, strength life opens up after you really train your back hard. Yeah. Yeah. There's nobody, I don't know a, an incredibly strong person that doesn't have a really strong back. It just doesn't happen. You know, they have weaknesses elsewhere. Um, but no matter what, anybody pulling big weight or whatever. Like you can't deadlift eight hundred pounds and have a week back. It's just doesn't doesn't fucking happen. Um, that's not your weak link. Um, but yeah, no, I and mean, I think lots of good mornings and stuff. I think that's I stole that from the West Side guys. That's the thing in powerlifting. That's all there was for us to read back fifteen years ago. Everything was West Side shit, and uh, well, so I did I lots love- of good mornings. Yeah, so. I mean, I didn't ever do, I never got into the heavy good mornings. Like, so we had a little, like a West Side thing going with Prosperly Summit where we're, you know, we're doing the West Side stuff. My, my issue with the West Side stuff, and I ain't even saying it like this, but is there is definitely reasoning beyond what they, you know, what Louie kind of extends. There's reasoning beyond that that they you they do what they do like the way mm-hmm. they do it like i use a west side template like for everything i do like just the idea of like you have a main lift or two and then things that build the main lift or two and that's your session right yep, yep. but it's like so why the heavy good mornings and the like the box squats the way they teach them all that stuff has reasoning it's, it's not like just a extremely great exercise by itself mm-hmm. Like you said, you know, you're using a suit, so you're pushing out, pushing your knees mm-hmm. way out into the suit. This is obviously very specific to that. Now you yep. can, you know, obviously use, you know, the the template, change the exercises to fit, you know, raw squatting or whatever. And I still enjoy it that way. I still use it that way. But it was always frustrating because I, I mean, right around the time I met you, I was reading, and because they were big on teenage around. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was like, everything had, you know some sort of West Side connection, something or other, right? And there's, there's nothing that's, like, our assistance work stuff was great. Like, I really appreciate that stuff. Yep. It's like, oh, if you're, and I, I see it in weightlifting, too, where it's like, if I see a lifter missing a position, it's usually weakness, right? Like, you're like, mm-hmm. and weightlifter, weightlifting coaches, at least traditionally, it's just, they just yell at you the cue. <laughs> <laughs> right? They just yeah. shout the cue at you, like, do it right, yeah. do it right. Whereas, yeah. like, you know, when I started seeing things through kind of that, I'll just say the West Side lens, I'm like, oh, this is a weakness. Let's strengthen this particular area. So there was yeah. a lot of value that I got out of the West Side yeah. stuff. But it's like, so even the heavy and the light day, right, mm-hmm. that are way far apart. It's, well, when you're moving, I would say probably above that 
like once you cross the threshold of like a 500 pound squat, 500 pound deadlift, and you're getting into 600, right? Mm-hmm. 600 plus. Those days that you do that are expensive. Like you yes. spend a lot of energy, a lot of your quote unquote money, you know, with those poundages. Mm-hmm. So you do need those other days in between and you need a light day, which, you know, the speed part of it, like the rate of force thing, again, I was like, oh, that training day by itself, the merit of it is like, man, eh, it's kind of weak. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. obviously we're weightlifters, so we're always trying to move stuff fast, but so yeah, that was, that's a side tangent. But yeah, I was always yeah. frustrated with that later on when I started to kind of see the game for what it was. And I was like, oh, <laughs> within a certain context, a lot of the stuff they say makes sense. And if you understand yep. that context, then you're like, okay, you can apply it then. But if you just walk in and they, they'll tell you this, like an absolute, almost a religion behind West Side. Yeah. Like, they're like, no, 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 this is the best for everything. And you're like, yes. all right. And then I still see people who kind of essentially do that. Like if you squat, like we squat with like, uh, you know, basically ass to grass or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the hip stuff is helpful, but also not helpful because you're not. Yeah. Like at the bottom of the squat, trying to really focusing hard about driving your knees out is a waste of time and it puts you in a bad position because you end up kind of kicking forward accidentally. Yeah. But yeah, it was like a side change. No, and that's even the difference between like like when I went out to lead FTS and I trained with Dave and them. And the difference even between me in single ply and them in multiply, even the way they wear their wraps. Like they'll anchor right below the knee and they run, they run their wrap as high up the hip as they can. Um, they're not worried about knee, um, compression and support around the knee. They want that support up on their hips. Um, whereas me, I'm a much narrower, like my squat is much closer to a raw squat than it is theirs. And so my wrap is still down around my knees. I still get a lot of quad, uh, quad drive out of it and they're more back on your ass and hips and, and stuff like that. So with that, that wider stance, but, and I just can't do that anymore. There's no way, not with this hip replacement. It's just like, Nope, but my, my, my ball socket would end up on the wall. So, um, I mean, when, I was, when I was coaching towards like the, the West side style of, you know, a box squat, right. Where you sit yeah. way back. Yeah. And I did that for a while. Like really like the full on West side style. Is there my, my squat itself didn't really go up, but I, I will say, so this is when I was squatting, or uh, I could snatch 100 kilos. I was like in that 90 to 100 kilo range in snatch, uh-huh. which isn't, that's not very good if anyone's out there. So that's not good. That's like very early on in my weightlifting. And I was kind of stuck there for like six months. And this is before even I was really hardcore doing the coach bro stuff, right? The box squat helped my pull a lot. Gotcha. Like pulling stuff or deadlifting and that kind of stuff was helped out a lot. But actually, the squat itself, like my squats didn't even go up, but I was like snatching and power cleaning a lot more weight at that time. Yeah. And I should have been, but like compared to, you know, looking at just squat numbers. Yeah. That's what almost what it is. It's like a, it's like a standing pull. Well, and that's also a reason they could get away with not training their deadlift much. You know? Yeah. 
because they essentially were. I mean, but um, and a lot of them moved to a suited sumo deadlift, so which yeah, makes definitely. even more sense. There's even more carry over there. Um, so, but, yeah, I don't know. It'll be good. I'm ready to get another meet under me. Hopefully cross that 800 barrier. I'm going to give it a shot as long as I don't blow up. So like Dal came down and watched me and like literally the hardest thing for me is the walkout. I think this may be my last meet that I walk out at. I think I might find just monolift meets and, uh, man, it starts getting heavy like that and it's a motherfucker. You know, like, like the actually standing there with it's not that bad. If I can get back and get settled in and sit still, okay, I got this. It's just getting there. And then after you stand up getting like, okay, it's time to go back to the rack. I'm like, I don't know, man. You're probably going to have to help me. So <laughs> my knees are about to fall apart. But uh that's the only thing I worry about. Back, Back's fine. I don't worry about my back at all. And at this point, my hip isn't even a thought in my head. It's just push out and stay on the right spot with my knees and everything will be fine. So as long as my knees hold together, the the strength is there. And I've never been an explosive lifter. So uh it's, it's just going to be a grind, you know, and they're all grinds at a certain weight. It's just, and I'll, I'll tell them, I'll tell the spotters, I got it. And we're all tell you, I don't got it. And if I say I don't got it, it means I don't got it. So, um, yeah, so we'll see. I think I got a chance at this. I mean, so, Try and get Jim to come out and watch. It should be a good time. So, yeah, guys, I guess we'll call it. Unless you get something else. So the meet's in Ohio, yeah. Meet is in Ohio. It's in Columbus at Seabus Lifting. I think they're even webcasting it. I think I don't know. It's on Sunday. Oddly enough, it's a Sunday meet, but so I'll fly out there Friday. Weigh in early Saturday morning. Rest up. Eat all the Chinese food. Stuff to get me is get get all that sodium and MSG bloat going on. Um, so I'm nice and purple when I come in the next day. So you got to get you got to look the part if you're going to be in a powerlifting meet. So the red, yep. the chest and neck, you know. Yeah. Yep. The rest is really pale. So like my <laughs> legs and arms and stuff are pale, but my face will just be purple. So. Uh, that's that was the big thing honestly if you want to talk about getting used to something in the suit it was the pressure um because the first time you sit all the way down you're like oh my goodness like the amount of pressure in your head is a lot like your blood pressure goes way up and that that took getting used to um because i'd get dizzy and stuff and now i'm fine but uh the amount of pressure in the suit i can't, can't imagine a uh like a triple ply or something, multiply suit. So that'd be interesting. But all right, guys, we'll I'll shoot something next week. I think I like I said I weigh in at eight a.m. But that's Ohio time. So that's seven. So I should be able to get on the show and record next week right after weigh-ins, um, and give you guys an update. Hopefully, I'll have an update on. Windler's football team and my way in and everything else. And we'll go from there. So sweet. Everybody have a good weekend. Later. Later. And stop. Where's recording? Oink.